So, uh, happy, uh, happy New Year, and um, I, uh, I'm glad that we uh, actually didn't have snow. I was thinking uh, New Year's is one thing to have on a Sunday, uh, but then to have snow, we were really going to see who was committed here uh, very shortly, so glad that you could be here. Um, uh, this morning, we're going to be going through Psalm chapter 1, uh, just something uh, fairly simple. Um, we have kids with us this morning, and so uh, hopefully they'll be able to get uh, something out of the sermon uh, this morning as well. Um, but this microphone's going to drive me crazy, so we're going to move it right there. Okay, perfect. Um, and uh, in, in any case, if you were watching TV at all last night, uh, we, we were watching it for about 15 minutes, and then uh, my brother's cable box all of a sudden went out, so we watched a news channel uh, through Apple TV, but um, it was uh, fun nonetheless. But what, uh, what a lot of people are saying is that 2016 was just a bad year. It was a, it was a bad year all the way around, and, uh, you know, from, you know, there's just so many reasons for that, so many reasons that, that people could have, from uh, the folks that, you know, passed away to, you know, an election year that was contentious and... Uh, just all different uh, types of, of different things that, that happened. But I think Psalm 1 tells us something, and it tells us how to be happy uh, even when our circumstances change. It tells us how to be happy even when our circumstances change. But it also tells us something, and that is what it means to actually be a follower of Jesus. And so some of you came this morning uh, because... Uh, you know, today is a fresh start. That always happens at, in churches. Today is a fresh start, so uh, you want to turn over a new leaf and, and start something new. And so um, let me just kind of explain through Psalm chapter 1 what it looks like to be a true follower of Jesus and, uh, and also as a result of that, how we can have happiness even in a year like 2016 or what 2017 is probably going to be like, all right? I, I'm just, I just want to warn you in advance that 2017, like if you're looking at your circumstances and you're looking at, uh, you know, what's happening in our world and you really pay attention to those things and you really see the reality, uh, much like any year, what you're going to find out is you're going to find that things are not as good as you thought they were, perhaps. Um, things are not as good as you are hoping. And so a lot of us will probably experience that, but here's what a lot of people do. A lot of people say, I'm going to follow God, or I, I want to restart my relationship with God, or I, I want to be a follower of Jesus because, because that is the way to happiness, or that, that's, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm going to do. If I do this, then God will give me happiness. What's, what's wrong with that, though, is that you cannot seek after God in order to get happiness. Uh, God is essentially just a waitress at that point, or a butler, as Tim Keller likes to say. And so you can't seek after God in order to have happiness, but what you get when you follow God, when you follow after Jesus Christ, what you get as a byproduct of that is happiness. And the way that you find out whether you're actually seeking God for God in order to get God and not just to get happiness, um, the way that you find that out is what takes place in your heart uh, what takes place in your life when things do not go the way that you want them to? When you don't get what you actually came for, when you don't get what you actually came for and, and, and whatnot, what, what ends up happening is that your true colors are seen. 
And what happens is this, is that just like when you go and, 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 and you experience like a friendship with somebody, and, and really you begin to think to yourself, I don't think they really want friendship with me or that they really want me or that they really want to connect with me or that they're really interested in those things. What it, re- what it really feels like is that they just want me for what I give them. Marriage is tough like that. Friendships are tough like that. Business, uh, your job, all they care about is what I produce. All they care about is what I, what I want. Well, in essence, when we go after God in order to get happiness, when we say, God, I'll serve you as long as I'm happy, what happens is this, is that we end up uh, really just wanting a waitress, and it's not going to work out for you because you don't want God for God. You want God for your own happiness. And so what, uh, what Psalm chapter 1 tells us is some, some pretty interesting things. So uh, if you want to turn there, that would be great, or it'll be up on the screen as well. And it says this, blessed is the man. Now, blessed uh, looks like blessed, like hashtag blessed. You know, when people, people say, uh, you know, got a new car for Christmas, hashtag blessed. Um, you know, that, that type of thing, like I'm, I'm the coolest person in the world, hashtag blessed. I, you know, I'm whatever, I, I'm I'm, I'm doing pretty well. What this is actually saying is it's saying happy is the man. Joyful is the person. And so Psalm chapter 1 is telling us what it looks like to be somebody who's happy, to be somebody who intrinsically has happiness, not based on their circumstances, but based on something else. It says this, happy is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Kind of a, kind of a sad tone there at the end, but, but what it's talking about is it's talking about how we actually get happiness. So I want you to notice some things real quick just off the bat. Look at the first verse there. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. There's three postures there. There's walking, there's standing, and there's sitting. Notice the gradual progression there of I'm walking with these people, I'm standing with these people, I'm sitting with these people. I'm I'm walking, I'm standing, I'm sitting. And those three postures lead to three things, advice, the way, and a a seat. It it begins with advice, which is counsel there in our passage. So it says, blessed is the man, happy is the man who walks not in the advice of the wicked. What does that mean? It means this. It means that as you're going along in life, there are people that you could talk to. 
There are things that you could listen to. There are ways that you could operate that our world says are the right ways to operate. It's common thought. It's stuff that you'd hear on Oprah. It's stuff that you'd hear in media. It's stuff that you would hear in songs. It's, 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 uh, it's uh, a common theology, if you will, that people have about life. And they say that this is the way that life should be lived. This is, you should be happy. Do whatever you need to do in order to feel happy. Like, you should be happy. Your happiness uh, is of uh, the most concern in your life, and so therefore, you should do whatever it takes in order to be happy. But what that says, that common theology of our day, is this, is it is a theology from the wicked. It is a thought process from, not from God, but it's from other people. And so what happens is this, is that as, you, as you're walking and you're hearing this stuff and you're, you're, you're walking in this counsel, you're walking in this advice, what takes place is this, that you begin to believe this stuff. You begin to believe it and you begin to say, you know what, I really am hashtag blessed if I have the things that I want. And if I'm able to put those things on Facebook or social media and somehow show people that I am a happy person, then therefore I will find happiness. But as you know, people who have everything oftentimes do not feel like they have happiness. I mentioned uh, Bruce Springsteen in our uh, uh, Christmas Eve service. I know that's kind of a weird reference there, <laughs> Christmas Eve, but I'm, I'm, I'm really into this. I, I watched uh, an interview uh, with him, and then I, I started reading his, uh, his book just about his life. And one of the things that really sticks out to me is here is this guy who struggled so hard to get into music and to, and to be heard and to finally be seen as a fantastic musician and as selling out stadiums and all kinds of things. And yet one of the things that he could not find is peace and he could not find happiness. Over and over again, that's what you hear in his life until he finally has this point where he gets to this place where he's, he's all of a sudden struck by anxiety and depression and he cannot seem to go on, and he ends up going to counseling and whatnot, and yet he still struggles with depression, and yet he is somebody who has everything. Depression can come even when you are a believer, by the way. Anxiety can come even when you're somebody who has been walking with Jesus for a long time. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're listening to the advice of the wicked, but uh, it can also come through thinking that somehow my life is going to be better if I just get these things. For our kids, it's going to be somehow my life is going to be better if I have the things that my friends have. My, my life is going to be better if I have the latest toy. My life is going to be better if, for my kids if I get to play with my Kindle Fire. Um, it's, it's incessant. Like their happiness is contingent on them being able to play a game on their Kindle Fire. But that is something from the world that says this, that says that when you get what you want, you will find happiness. And if you just pursue happiness and you pursue happiness, you will finally find it. But here's the thing, is that the more you pursue that, the more you're engaging with this advice, this counsel from the wicked, and pretty soon you begin to stand in that. You begin to stand in it, and you begin to say, okay, I'm going to begin acting on this. I'm going to be a begin acting on this way of life that's been communicated to me by the world. And many of us, uh, in, in many cases, are already ingrained with this. We've been walking in the counsel of the wicked. And so now we're standing in the way of sinners. Now we're standing. We're just we're standing there. 
And now we begin to act like this. We begin to act in these ways, and we begin to, uh, to say, you know, my happiness is the most important thing, and so I'm going to continue to pursue after those things, and I'm going to pursue after those things. And so pretty soon you get to the point where you're seated in the seat of the scornful. Now, what, is the, what are this, or who are the scornful? The scornful are, are these people. These are people who would be adamantly against God. And pretty soon, now you are fully identified with them and you say, forget God. I don't want God in my life or anything that he has for me. I don't want him to speak into my life. I'm, not only am I going to take the advice of the wicked, uh, not only am I going to stand in the way of sinners and begin acting on those things, now I'm firmly rooted and seated with these people, and this is the way that my life is. And so what we have to ask is this, is because of this. It says a little bit later on in, in the passage that, uh, in verse 5, Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. What that's saying right there is this, is that you can, you can look at everyone else and you can say, you know what, all those people out there, they're wicked. But what this is saying here is that there can be people who are in our congregation, who are a part of our life, who are uh, preaching on stage, perhaps, who are doing all kinds of great things. And yet what's really true about them is that they are also seated in the midst of that, that their life is governed by an outside force and, and, and their inner voice that says that you should have whatever makes you happy. And what the scriptures say is that hashtag blessed doesn't come from what you can provide. Hashtag blessed being happy doesn't come from pursuing happiness. It comes through God alone. And so what we have to ask is this. Have you considered who you're walking with, who you're standing with, who you're sitting with? Some of you kiddos in here, you're going to be in school again here very shortly. Um, and in fact, it's on Tuesday uh, my wife would very quickly say, Tuesday, 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 right? We live in a trailer with four kids. So you're going to go back to school. And one of the things that you don't realize that's happening in your life is that the people that you're walking with are speaking into your life. The people that you are walking with, the people that you spend time with, are, are actually speaking into your life. And they're saying, like, this is the way that things should be. And so have you considered who you're walking with, who you're standing with, and then who you're sitting with? Now, what this doesn't mean is it doesn't mean, hey, avoid everyone who you think is sinful, because the truth is that all of us are sinners. If you're somebody who has put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are a sinner saved by grace. And so the truth about us is this, is that I'm just as bad as anybody else. The only difference is this, is that I've received the grace of Jesus Christ. And so I can't stand in, in arrogance over somebody who I think is a sinner. It doesn't mean that we don't have friends who are Christians. What it means is this, is that their friendship is a friendship that, does, that I do not receive every bit of advice that they give to me. Now, they may have good things uh, to say to me, like, hey, you've got bad breath. Maybe you should start brushing your teeth. That's good advice, right? Those are, those are good things. You should shower more. I heard these things all the time in high school. You should, uh, you know, what, whatever it is. Those are, <laughs> those are good things. But when it comes to things that have to do with ultimate significance, your happiness, 
your desires in life. Those are people that you need to say, you know what, this is a friendship that I need to be influencing them, not receiving influence from them. So secondly, uh, the first part there is the direction that we're going. Walking, standing, sitting. Secondly is the affection. Verse 2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. What this looks like is this, is that it's, it's saying the person who is blessed, the person who is happy, delights in the law of the Lord, and, his and on his law he meditates day and night. Now what is that saying? Now you can look at that and you can say, all right, that's all of the rules. Those are the things that God tells me to do. That's the Ten Commandments. That's the stuff that I, that I should follow. But what, that's not the sum total of what it's talking about. What it's talking about is how those laws interact with my life. God's instruction to me. What God says to me in His Word. The, that word law there can mean instruction. It's the, the Lord's instructions to us. His delight is in God's instructions for his life. The person who is happy is somebody who says, I want what God wants for my life. I want to hear from him. I'm not going to walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of the scornful, but I'm going to walk in this delight in hearing what God has to say to me. Now, I just want to stop right there and say this. Like, what does it look like for you to be somebody who delights in what God has to say to you? What's that look like? I think it's a really good question that you have to ask yourself. Am I somebody who delights in the law of the Lord, the sum total of what God has for me in the Scriptures? Do I delight in those things? It's... it's I, it's been something that's been rolling around in my head for the last few weeks. Like, am I delighting in the Lord? Do I love to read His Word? Am I somebody, is that really true of me? Even pastors have to ask this question. Why? Because this is my job. My job is to stand and talk to you. And it'd be really easy because I get something for the, the, the words that I read I get, I get a page. I, I, I have to live. I have to feed myself, right? And so I get something for that. But what I really have to ask, what every good pastor has to ask, and really every pastor should be asking, is this, is that do I desire the Word of God for more than just a paycheck or for what I'm doing, or do I desire the Word of God for what I get? And so everyone has to ask this, like, when I come to the Word, am I, am I thinking to myself, I better do this, or, I, or God is just not going to look at me and say, I want to make you happy, Matt. I want to make everything come true in your life that you've ever wanted. Or do I really want to hear from, what, from God and to hear his advice and allow that to soak into my life? That's the question you have to ask. Because here's what happens as a result is this. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Now, what does that mean? How, how many things do we have to do in our life? I mean, we could talk about statistics. I heard the other day that uh, the, the average time, or maybe the, on the high end, people look at their phone 150 times a day. How many times? How many times? Oh, got a message. Oh, got a, got a, got a moment. I drove by a bus stop the other day. 
there were five people standing around a bus stop. Every single person was standing there like a zombie, like looking at their phone, playing a game. So every single person. I don't know if you saw this meme the other day so it, that, that says, uh, I saw a guy sitting in, in Starbucks. He didn't have a tablet, didn't have a phone, didn't have a computer. He was just sitting there drinking coffee like a psychopath. <laughs> like, what is our problem that, that, that that's so crazy? I mean, it's, it's easy to talk about things like that. I, I always feel like it's kind of dumb when we start getting critical about media. I mean, our life in, in, in many senses is, is happening online today. We understand what's happening in our world through that. So to say we, we're never going to be online or we're never going to look at our phone is just ridiculous. What it does mean is this, is that there's no room. There's no room. There's no time. There's no time for anything else to come into our minds. And so when you delight in the Lord, when you delight in His Word, when you're looking deeply into it, what's happening is this, is that it begins to roll around in your head. And when you're undistracted from, from these things all the time and you put parameters around it and just say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to set this aside or I'm not going to always be looking at it. I'm, by the way, I'm a big offender, okay? This, I, a sermon's always got to be convicting for the guy who's giving it, by the way. Otherwise, I'm a hypocrite. I'm a big offender. And the offense is this, that there's no space in Matt's mind because I'm, I'm reading articles about the Word instead of reading the Word sometimes. And instead of meditating on what God has said to Matt, I'm meditating on what God has said something said to someone else about the Word of God or about the world. And so what's taking place is this, is that there is no space. There's no, there's no time to meditate. And so the question is this, is that what is rolling around in your mind? In order to be somebody who says, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus, and, and he's going to be my goal. He's going to be uh, my thing. In order for that to take place, you have to be in the Word of God. You cannot have one without the other. If you're a Christian who never reads your Bible, you cannot have great relationship with God. You may be a Christian, but you, may, you are not going to be somebody who's walking faithfully with God. What's it look like to walk faithfully? Walking faithfully means you're not uh, walking, standing, sitting with sinners, engaging in that sin. doesn't mean that you never screw up. It means that the direction of your life is a direction that says, I'm walking towards God. I want happiness through Him and only through Him. And I, I want a relationship with Him. And ultimately, that is the thing that is going to bring me happiness. And so first of all, it's the direction of your life. Secondly, it's the affection of your life. What do you love? What do you love? What shows do you love? What are you binging on, on Netflix? It's, just, it's, the, it's the top of the year. What's taking up space in your mind? Some of us are, are into some stuff that's, that's pretty nasty. The shows that you watch are wall-to-wall -wall with just nastiness. And somehow, you have allowed yourself to think that this is art, and so I'm going to engage with it. And what it's doing, it is the advice of the wicked. It's standing 
with sinners. And then you wake up one day and you say, I can't believe I acted like that. Well, you have been showing your mind that way of living for ages. Meditating on the Word of God so that your affections for Him begin to bubble up and so that you begin to have relationship with Him. Let me give you, let me give you just a, a practical solution. Some of you guys, one of my biggest concerns, I'm very concerned about our gals as well, but one of my biggest concerns is this, is our, it, our, our men who don't like to read very much. I'm one of them. It's a, <laughs> it is a difficult position to, to be in as a pastor to not love to read. I'll just tell you that, right? And so one of the things that I do, I listen to a book on, uh, on Audible. Um, and one of the ways that I read Scripture the best and the quickest, and the way that I get the, especially in the Old Testament, when you're reading all these stories and you want to see the arc of what God is doing, is I, I listen to uh, the Word in my ears. I turn up the speed a little bit, and I will follow along with my eyes. So it's coming in through my eyes. It's coming in through my ears. I'm, I'm hearing it, I'm reading it, I get so much more understanding, more than you could possibly imagine. So some of you need to get uh, the Bible on Audible. I have the ESV on Audible, and I, and I listen to that. And then I, I look at this, and, and, I, and I read it. It doesn't mean that I don't read without it. It just means that sometimes I just want to get through a section of Scripture. I just want to see what God is saying. And so one of the ways that you can do that is through having it read to you and reading at the same time. And as a result, seeing your affections for God begin to grow. Lastly is this, is your connection to God. Verse 3. He is like the tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. So look at a couple of things about what that verse just said to you. If you're going to be somebody who is happy in God, that you, you're, experience, you're experiencing the blessing of God through a true affection for Him, through a, a great love for Him because the Word is meditating in your life, what really is taking place is this, is that it is like as though you were a tree and as a tree, you are planted in, you are rooted in something. And as a result of being rooted in that, what's happening is this, is that it yields its fruit. You're like a tree that gives something back. You're like a tree that ha you have something to offer. What's that look like? It means this. It means as a Christian, I don't come to just receive from the church, but I come to give. I come to give. I'm not somebody who's just here for the programs. I'm not just going to be here to complain about what you do and what you don't have, but I'm somebody who's yielding my fruit. I'm, I'm, I'm giving of myself. I have something to offer. When you have no fruit, what it means is this, is that you're an unhealthy tree. You got some kind of sickness. You got some kind of disease. You're not rooted in the right soil. You don't have water. There's no fruit in your life. So what it means is this, is that the person who is happy is somebody who, is, who has fruit to offer. The fruit of the Spirit. It's what it means to have Jesus in your life. It means my life is going to begin to show that. My life is going to begin to show that. You cannot call yourself a believer in Jesus Christ when you have no fruit to show for it. 
you cannot say that you're, that you're walking with Jesus when there really is no evidence of that in your life. You say, well, I try to do more good than bad. So does everybody else, for the most part. What makes you different? You know what makes you different? When you sacrificially give of yourself, when you inconvenience yourself for other people, when you give money when you don't have it to give, not to the church necessarily, but to other people. When, when you say, I see somebody who's hurting and I want to help them, and so beyond what I even have, I want to give that to them. When somebody insults me and they come after me and this is a hot button issue for me, I normally would get really mad here. The fruit of having a relationship with God, finding your happiness only in Him, is this, is that I am somebody who's operating on a different scheme than everybody else. I'm not listening to their advice. Hey, you shouldn't put up with that. Walk away from your marriage. That person, they don't love you. Sacrifice says this. God loves me just the way that I am. No matter how many times I've sinned against him, I stay. Or I'm sorry, he stays with me. And so what that means is this, is that I stay when it doesn't work out for me. So there's fruit in your life. In its season, there are seasons for fruit. There are seasons for fruit. There's not an unrealistic expectation of your life. It's that God's growing you, and as a result, you're progressively becoming somebody who is walking in, in what God has for you. You're progressively becoming somebody who, who God is, is, is saying, this, this person loves me. You're progressively becoming somebody who is walking in what God would have you walk in. You're listening to his advice. But that fruit does not always come, always come, always come. And so what can take place is this, that people who are really concerned about this and perhaps really legalistic in their mind, they can say, I have been walking with God and I've been walking with God and I've been walking with God and I don't see the fruit in my life. And sometimes what it means is this, is that you may have something wrong, but maybe it's just, it's just not that season yet. It's just not that season of your life. And what you have to realize is that you can't sit there and beat yourself up. You can't damage the tree. You've got to say, my sanctification, the process of me becoming more like Jesus is progressive. It's progressive. That's not to let us off the hook and say, well, I'm just not in that season right now. Well, it's been five years. You know, I mean, it's, it's time, it's time to, to get real about your life. In its season, and its leaf does not wither. What happens? Why would, it, why would a leaf wither? Leaves wither in the fall because it gets cold. Leaves wither in the summer because there's no water. And what happens is this, is that if you're a tree and you've got fruit in, in that season, what can take place is this, is that you immediately begin to go through a dry time. You begin to go through a very cold season. You begin to go through life circumstances. You run into 2016 again, and life begins to wither. And you don't get what you want for Christmas. And your parents divorce. And life begins to fall apart. And your husband leaves. 
or your wife leaves, or somebody gets cancer, or something happens, your leaf will not wither because you're planted by a tree, by, by a stream, and you have a power source that's beyond what you could possibly imagine. And what's taking place is this, is that when you go through a storm, and when you go through a season, it may be dry and it may be difficult, but when your happiness is not rooted in happiness for happiness sake, but when your happiness is rooted because you have real relationship with God, you're able to weather the storm because of this. Because 2016 is the same as 2015 and 1814 and whatever else. The only difference is this, is that we're very aware of what's happening. There's been contentious elections. There's been people who have died. There's been, there's been much worse disasters. The Holocaust, to name one. There's been much worse situations. And so 2016 may seem like a bad year, but here's the thing. The person who has their happiness not rooted in their circumstances, but rooted in their God, does not wither when 2016 comes again. Because their source is not... There are circumstances. Like during a high time, I got a great job, I got a great paycheck, things are going fantastically, and some people walk away from God and some people stay with God. They walk away from God, I don't need God, I've got everything I want. Or some people stay with God and they say, man, this is fantastic, I keep going to church and He just keeps blessing me. Hashtag blessed, 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 right? I just keep doing what He wants me to do and He just keeps blessing me. No, the person who's rooted in God is somebody who does not wither even when the paychecks go away and the spouse goes away and the family falls apart and the friendships at school don't turn out the way that you want them to. The person who's rooted in God has something else. What does he have? He has the word that's speaking to him. The key to this whole thing is verse 2, the affection. The affection that you have for God, but more importantly, the affection that God has for you. How do you know that God has affection for you? You may have come in here today and you, you say, I, I, don't, I know that God may love me, but I know that He doesn't love the things that I'm doing. Or you might say, I don't think God loves me at all because I, I haven't done anything that he wants me to do. And he's just like one of my parents. And so one of my parents, they would just dash me to pieces. They'd abuse me. They would yell at me. They would do all kinds of things to me because I didn't do what they wanted me to. And so therefore, that's who God is in my life. And so when I don't do what God wants me to do, I just I feel like he hates me. But that's not the way that God is. Ephesians chapter 3, one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, says this. The Apostle Paul, he's praying for this church, and he says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, I'm reading this out of the NIV, because I love it more in that 
than uh, ESV. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the uh, saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. What that just said is this, is that in order to be a tree that is planted by a stream of water, you've got to be rooted in the right stuff. What are you rooted in? The love of God. What's Paul pray for? For you, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love. What's he saying? He's saying that your life would be so established in love that you would be so rooted in what God has for you that you would see how much God loves you. That you would see that so well that you would say, man, he loves me no matter what. He loves me no matter how I've acted, no matter all of the things that have taken place in my life, no matter where I was last night, no matter where I am today, no matter what I think about these issues or what have you. Like he loves me so much that he actually went to a cross for me. Like God loves me so much that he died for me. God loves me so much that Jesus Christ went to the cross and he paid the penalty that I deserved. The only way that you're somebody who's rooted by this stream, you're drinking in the nutrients of the, the word of God, the only way that that even happens is because God has planted you through his power. He planted you by that stream and he planted you there through his gospel. And his gospel is the story of what took place in order to save you. His gospel uh, took place so that you and I could have a relationship with God in spite of the fact that we have been sinful and that we will still commit sins sometimes. The fact that I'll still go through seasons where I've screwed it up. The fact that I'm, I'm still not on the right path in this area of my life. God went to the cross for that. And when you realize how much he loves you, when you actually see how much he cares for you, do you know what happens? You delight. You delight in his word. And you begin to meditate on it because of what he has done for you. So 2017, here we go. Are you ready for it? Are you ready to say to heck with what they say where my happiness comes from? I'm with God because he already showed that he was with me through the cross. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we ask that this year would be different for us. Lord, for everyone in here, Lord, that we would be looking to you not, uh, not for our own happiness, not for... Uh, not to feel better about ourselves, but to get you. Lord, we know that you dealt with our sin on, on the cross. And so, Lord, we want to deal with our sin with you. 
by confessing and saying, Lord, we, we know that we have not walked rightly. 2016, in part, has been a bad year because of, because of me, because of us, because of all of our desires to find our happiness in our own stuff and void of you. And so, Lord, we pray that we would uh, turn our attention to you, Lord, that we'd look into your word, that we'd make a point of being somebody who's delighting in you and meditating on your word so that we can be that tree that's planted by a stream of water that yields its fruit and that does not wither no matter what year comes in 2017. Lord, we pray for this in your name. Amen.